Welcome to Tres Cuentos. Today, we begin a journey through the tales of power. Today's cuento comes from Mexico. The sources of this cuento are the books Stories from Latin America by Genevieve Barlow and The King Cosijoesa and His Family a historical and legendary account of the last kings of Sachila by Manuel Martinez Gracida. My name is Carolina Quiroga Stoltz, and I invite you to pay careful attention to the following cuento. You might learn something new. The Last King It is the year of 1487 of the Christian era. Cosijoesa is a young warrior of 30 years old and had been recently appointed the new Zapotec king. Today, he is in his palace in the city of Juchitan, in the gardens of the trees of white flowers. Today, Cosijoesa is hosting a diplomatic ceremony. He is welcoming emissaries from all the other kingdoms that have come to pay their respects and, of course, to congratulate him. The next one to talk is the Aztec emissary. Great Cosijoesa, magnificent light that makes the ether tremble. Ahuizotol, our mighty Aztec king, wishes you uh, prosperity and uh, many descendants. And as a symbol of his friendship, Ahuizotol sends you many presents. <laughs> our mighty king only asks for you to deliver to him some of your trees of white flowers that grow only here in Huchitan. Cosijoesa reflects the truth is that the Zapotecs and the Aztecs have never been friends. Then why? Why is Ahuizotl, the Aztec king, asking for those trees. Why now? Was this a bait? Does he want to start another war? Cosijoesa needs to think his answer carefully. The wrong words can disturb the tense calm. As Cosijoesa ponders the options, he is interrupted by the impatient emissary. Cosijoesa! You know that Ahuizotl will have those trees one way or the other. Well, those poor manners led to an easy answer. Then no, he won't have my trees. A blood shed was unleashed, and it lasted for seven years. It was exactly what the Aztec king had been looking for. By 1494, the Aztecs had already destroyed all the major Zapotec cities 
such as Mitla and Sachila. The Aztec forces were surrounding the outskirts of Juchitán, ready to destroy the Zapotec capital. All the Aztec soldiers were in high spirit, but they were also tired. What they didn't know is that the Zapotec soldiers inside the fortress of Juchitán had not fought yet. They were all well rested, and they had a secret weapon. That night, 30,000 Zapotec soldiers came out of the fortress of Juchitán, surrounded the Aztecs, and began to shoot their poisonous arrows. As a result, most of the Aztec soldiers were deadly wounded. Oh, Ahuizotl was furious. He had been so close, but now he had to flee and go back to Tenochtitlan, like the lion goes back to his cave to lick his wounds and plot his revenge. And here is when Montezuma II comes to play a major role. At the time, Montezuma is only Ahuizotl's nephew and one of his advisors, and Montezuma suggests that there could be an easier way to deal with that inconvenient neighbor. A female way. Coyolicansin, one of Ahuizotl's favorite daughters, also known as Cotton Flake, because her skin was pale, just like the moon. She was entrusted with the mission of seducing Cosijoesa, the Zapotec king, who had not yet found the perfect bride. The Aztecs have already gathered information on Cosijoesa's whereabouts. They knew when and where he would go to bathe. Then, a surprise love encounter was plotted. Oh, and when Cosijoesa saw Coyolican sing, he was taken by her beauty, by her seductive moves, and by her mysterious smile. To impress her, Cosijoesa began to talk about his riches, palaces, gardens, absolutely all he had. But she was unmoved because she was plain. The femme fatale. At last, she just said, Oh, I have wandered through all these lands in search of my happiness, but I haven't found it yet. Oh, he wanted to be her happiness. So, he invited her to stay at his palace in Huchitan for a week. At the end, she just said, Great, Cosijoesa, I certainly appreciate all your kindness, but my heart begs me to go back to my Aztec family, to my father, Ahuizotl. What? Cosijoesa couldn't believe it. 
How could this be? His happiness was the daughter of his arch enemy. But now he was so in love with her that he was willing to do anything for her. So she went back to her Aztec family, followed by a long escort of Zapotec emissaries carrying gifts and a marriage proposal. Ahuizotl, the Aztec king, was delighted. His plan had worked. All those riches had come so easily. And the marriage proposal? Oh, a piece of cake. Now, he had to play the role of the sad father. So, Ahuizotl said, Oh, this proposal breaks my heart. My cotton flake, my beautiful Coyolicansen, my favorite daughter. Oh, how can I live without her? I'll figure it out. But I can see your king as wise, seeking an alliance with the greatest of all nations. This union will certainly bring power and peace at last. Well, the two lovebirds got married. And the celebration lasted four days. All the common people, Zapotecs and Aztecs, believed that finally peace had been accomplished. But what only a few knew was that Coyolicansin was still on a mission. She had been instructed to spy on the Zapotecs, often sending information back to her father about the Zapotec's military strategies and on their secret weapon. Ahuizotl's only hope was that one day he could finally subdue the Zapotecs. However, Ahuizotl did not live to see his ambitions fulfilled. He died in 1509. But Montezuma, his nephew and heir, pursued the old goals. When Montezuma II took possession of the Aztec throne, he sent an ultimatum to Cosijoesa. The beautiful Coyolicansin could either stay with her adopted Zapotec family and most likely die, or she could go back to her Aztec blood and join them against their long-lasting enemies. Yet, Coyolicansin had made her choice long time ago. Soon after their first son was born, she confessed everything to Cosijoesa, who forgave her because, truly, she meant the world to him. Still, she continued spying, but this time for the Zapotecs. She kept feeding the Aztecs with the misleading information that her husband gave her. Yes, she chose to stay with her Zapotec family. Now it was up to Cosijoesa to decide. Should he spare his people from another bloodshed or should they fight? He chose life. He signed a treaty 
that made the Zapotecs a dependent kingdom of the Aztecs. It doesn't look like a win, right? But it was in the long run. Because what Cosijoesa knew and what Montezuma II failed to interpret in the omens they all witnessed for years is that right around the corner there was a third party coming to play a destructive and transformative role in the lives of all the native people of the Americas. It was the conquistadores, the Europeans. The Aztecs were almost wiped out. Perhaps because during their reign, they had only cultivated enemies. Yet, the Zapotecs survived. Until this day, the Zapotecs are still alive in the old Juchitan, today Oaxaca, México. Y colorín colorado, este cuento se ha acabado. Very well, dear listeners, let me share some cultural facts about the story and about the Zapotecs. The Zapotecs, along with the Maya and the Nahuatl cultures, are known for their great achievements. Specifically, the Zapotecs created the first Mesoamerican written testimonies and kept calendar records. The name Oaxaca, where the Zapotecs live, was originally derived from the Nahuatl word Huaxacac, which roughly translates as at the top of the guaje. Guaje is a plant that grows in the region. Now regarding the tree of white flowers mentioned in the story, my theory is that if the tree really existed, perhaps it could have been one of the following trees. The casajuate, also known as the morning glory tree, that is said to cover the white mountain in white flowers. Or it could be the plumeria tree found at the Monte Alban ruins. Monte Alban is considered one of the most majestic ceremonial centers of Mesoamerica and was one of the capital cities of the Zapotecs. The Mexican state of Oaxaca is located along the Pacific Ocean in the southeastern section of the country. It has the largest indigenous-speaking population in the country, about a million and 165,186 indigenous speakers. Now, the Zapotecs are not a single nation or tribe, but a family of nations. Each one speaks its own language. However, these languages are interrelated as much as Spanish is to Italian or to Portuguese. So to a certain extent, people from different Zapotec communities can understand each other. Let's move on to the story. Technically, the story happened. It is not a product of fiction. At least, one author, Genevieve Barlow, wrote a novelistic version of it with good guys and bad guys. But let's see what really happened. In the account written in Spanish by Manuel Martinez Gracida in 1888, Cosijo Esa became the king of 
Teotzapotlán, in 1487, when his father, Sachila III, died. The new king was determined to preserve the autonomy and independence of the Zapotec nation. Therefore, he thought that the best route was to instigate war against those who were constantly trying to expand their borders, that is, the Aztecs. By 1494, Cosijo Esa had come up with a plan, apparently dictated by some divine intervention. He decided to use as bait the community of Huaxacac, or Oaxaca, who was no longer an ally of the Aztecs. As well, Cosijo Esa was going to use the people of Mitla, who were interested in the destruction of the Aztecs. The master plan was laid out. A caravan of merchants from Tenochtitlan, the Aztec capital, were set up to be ambushed and killed by Huaxacatlecas while passing through Mitla. Why? Most likely because in those times, merchants were often spies. Of course, after the deed was done, Ahuizotl, the Aztec king, was enraged. He called his allies from the cities of Texcoco and Tlacopan, and together they waged war on Huaxacac and Mixtla, and no life was spared. By 1496, Cosijoesa has a new ally from the Mixteca kingdom. They sent 24,000 soldiers that, along with the Zapotecs, became a force of 60,000 soldiers. Cosijoesa's military campaign was a success. He reconquered town after town, showing themselves as saviors. Does that sound familiar? I'm sure that strategy has been used everywhere around the world. At last, they got to a hill called Kiengola. They fortified themselves and gave the Mishtek soldiers the task of throwing or pushing rocks down the hill to keep the enemy busy. In the meantime, after a 405-mile walk, Ahuizotl's army was tired. In truth, some soldiers were getting sick from breathing the hot air of Tehuantepec. Thus, the Aztecs reconsider their next move. They were not going to execute a frontal attack. They were going to starve the Zapotecs to death by cutting all communications and supplies. However, one night... Using the element of surprise, the Zapotecs came down the hill and attacked the Aztecs. It was an outstanding victory. Soon after, Ahuizotl sent Montezuma to negotiate peace by offering in marriage the most beautiful of Ahuizotl's daughters, Coyolicancin. Cosijoesa agreed but was in no hurry to marry because he didn't trust the Aztec king. But Ahuizotl was determined to get those two married, so he instructed his sorcerers to help on the matter. By all means, 
the girl needed to seduce the reluctant groom. Koyali Kansin was instructed on her role in plotting a surprise encounter at a river near Tehuantepec, where Cusijoesa used to bathe. She presented herself and confessed that she admired him for his bravery and cunning. She said she could not wait any more to be his bride. Apparently, it worked. He fell in love, and eventually they married. Now here, it is important to say that in this account, there is no evidence that she played the role of a spy. However, only the dead know the truth. In 1498, Koyali had their first child, but soon the boy died. But Ahuizotl had not forgotten the pending insult, and after pacifying other states by force, he resolved it was time to settle the score. Naively, he thought that he could use his daughter as a means to an end. Then, Ahuizotl sent two trusted emissaries with a present and a request. They had to ask Cosijoesa to let the Aztec troops pass through the Zapotec territory. Apparently, they were heading south to conquer Chiapas and Guatemala. Then the emissaries would have a private talk with the queen, in which they were going to confess to her the real plan, trusting that she would help her father. They also tried to extract from her information about political secrets and anything else that could be useful in their revenge. Well, during the audience with the emissaries, Koyali Kansin took a break. She went to her husband and told him what the emissaries wanted. Later, she came back to the emissaries and said, Leave and hurry up. Tell my father that, although I am her daughter, I am a wife and a queen, too. Cosijoesa agreed to let them pass through his territory, but he took the necessary precautions just in case the Aztec troops wanted to try anything different. In 1500, Ahuizotl soldiers crossed the Zapotec's land uneventfully. They could not do anything because they were always heavily escorted and watched. And that was the end of that story. Well, friends, this is all for now. Tres Cuentos warns you to pay attention to history. Aren't you tired of repeating old errors? We could break the cycle of generational mistakes if we look at historical accounts from a critical perspective. In our next episode, we will meet one of the many Europeans that went after the elusive legend of El Dorado. Until the next cuento. This podcast was created, produced, and edited by Carolina Quiroga Stoltz. Ahuizotl's voice, improved listening, improved reading, by Don Jaimo. Tres Cuentos is a creative exercise of researching, writing, and retelling. Music and sound effects were downloaded 
from the YouTube audio library and freesound.org. You can find the credits of all the songs used in the podcast in the transcript. Nos escuchamos pronto. Adiós. Thank you.